Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This week's sponsor is your local Geico of Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash al. I'm your host, Brian Sin, joined by host, Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, Stephen? How's your week been, brother? Well, as we were talking before we came online, Brian, it's a grind every day around here, just like in your world. But man, I love this time of the week, every week, just to stop for a minute and talk a little fishing. So I'm actually glad to be here. I almost feel like a guest. Like I'm glad to be here today because kind of like my daughter likes to talk about uh, hot tamales, the candy, because mm. she loves them and is basically trying to talk me into buying them all the time. I'm like a kid when it comes to candy, when it comes to fishing. So great to be here today, man. Man, same here, brothers. It has been a, a whirlwind the last few days coming off of a little little quick vacation down to uh, down to the Gulf, to Fort Morgan, Alabama. Man, did that get cut a little short? I mean, you guys got down there, and then things kind of started headed your way. You can't have nothing. You can't <laughs> have nothing. You can't even plan a trip, man, with the family without getting something messed. Uh, and, and look, we had it was it was really awesome. Uh, we had two just absolutely gorgeous days. This was the first time that we had had uh, all our kids on on a trip together at the beach in, in quite a long time. So we actually had had all our kids, uh, seven, mm-hmm. and then the oldest he didn't, one. He didn't stutter when he said that, folks. No, that seven. was seven. Mm-hmm. And then our oldest one had his, uh, our 22-year-old had his girlfriend that, that came. And so we had a, we had a big crowd. Uh, but it was nice, man. It was it was fun. No no um, no no drama. The storm coming in was cool because the first day of the storm, man. The way you know on Saturday, mm-hmm. the waves started kind of really rolling in. Double red flag day, but just enough to where I didn't make my wife overly mad that I said, yeah, kids, it's fine. Let's go. Let's get out there and surf some of those waves while this double red zone, because how often we get to do this? And uh, so we went out and did that. Now, Sunday morning is a whole different deal. Yeah, You ain't going out there in that. That Gulf, man, I, I made the comment to my wife, it's hard to believe something so peaceful can turn to something so violent so mm-hmm. quick. It was, uh, it was really cool. But we're back, man, and I'm glad to be here today. Man, with that being said, let's jump right in this thing. Our first segment, we're going to be joined by Chris Jackson. Chris on Smith Lake. I think he just got off of it. And uh, Chris, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Glad to be here. How are y'all? Oh, we're good, man. Thank you for joining in today. So uh, you're up at Smith Lake. You just got off the water. How was it this morning? Uh, it was pretty good. We had uh, a lot of overcast skies this morning. And, you know, it, we're, we're catching some of that rain y'all were talking about. Uh, it rained yesterday, so it kind of stained up the back end of the water a little bit. But the uh, the main humps and and stuff where the the fish are coming up and schooling, uh, we we basically threw top waters all day long today. Oh, I love it! I love it when you can get that top water bite way up into the morning, and even like you say, all day long. I mean, imagine if you if your client stayed out all day, you, you probably would just have thrown that. Oh, uh, that's what that's what we did yesterday. We didn't uh, we didn't set a top water down all day yesterday. We uh, oh, we did do some some spy baiting. Um, my my client yesterday wanted to learn how to do that, so so I put him on some four pound test on and let him catch fish out of 60, 70 feet of water. Oh. But uh, when they would go down, but then when they would come up, you know, they we always kept that that pencil tied on. So when they came up, you know, we could bust six or eight, ten fish, you know, and, and ten cast and be done. And they'd go back down for another 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and we'd spy bait a couple more up. 
and actually got bigger fish on the spy bait than we did the, the top water. I, I got to interrupt you right there. I'm sorry. You got to, I don't, this spy bait thing is, uh, that's what I love about this show, man. It's like all the time. You never know what these you guys never know. are going to say. Uh, you you got to walk me through this spy bait yeah, thing because I am unfamiliar with this. Well, what it is, it, spy baiting is actually considered a technique more than it is a, an actual bait. Everybody calls it a spy bait, but it's actually a spin bait 80 made by Duo Realist. And what it is, it's, it's a small bait, weighs about three-eighths of an ounce, and you tie it on, on light line. It has a, a small, tiny prop on the on the front and the back of it. It almost looks like a uh, the old torpedo or a devil horse. A devil horse, um, yeah. But it, but it sinks, and it sinks about a foot, foot and a half a second. And you throw it out. Uh, you basically scan over an area, like a hump or submerged trees, which Smith Lake and Lake Martin both are very good for doing it because the water's super duper clear. So, and it's very very subtle. It's a it's actually replacing drop shotting in Japan. And I've been doing it for probably about three and a half four years now at least. Uh, starting to test it coming from Japan with Duo, and they brought it over. And you take light line. You scan over an area, find a school of fish. When you find that school that's suspended, then you pull way off of them, make real long casts, let your bait sink all the way down to where they are. So if you see them in 30 feet of water, sink it down to about 25 to 28 feet, and then just slowly reel it, just real slow. And it just rolls right through the school, and and they'll just reach out and grab it. it I don't know what makes them bite it. They just can't stand it. Yeah, so how big is this bait? How long is it? I can visualize it being like an old torpedo bait or, or a devil's horse, but is it is it a you know a two or three inch bait or is it a long bait? Um, no, it's a, they actually have three different sizes now. They just came out with a new one that they were going to debut at iCast, but they ended up debuting it at the Classic a little bit, or at least showed it off some at the Classic. The spin bait 80 is about two and a half inches, maybe three. And then they had that goes up to the 120, which they're coming out with. But the uh, they're I don't even know if they're selling them in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the 100 they are selling. It can actually be thrown on a bait caster. When they first brought the spinbait 80 over, the number one thing that was hard to get people in the South to understand is to throw a spinning rod. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a lot of people in the South just don't like throwing spinning rods. And um, so they were screaming for something to throw with a bait caster and bigger lines. So they came out with the 100 for that. The 90 and the 100, actually. So Chris is using a bait they can't even get right now. Why are you teasing my listeners like that? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, Well, now you can still get that. The 80, I'll just tell you, the 80 and the 90, you can get them, and they are absolutely amazing. They're fabulous. They're great on Gunnersville. You know, a lot of people don't think you can throw it in, in stained water, but you can. I mean, fish eat stained water. They eat grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bait does, you know, it's it's hard to fish in the grass. You have to fish a little bit faster than you're supposed to fish it. But it, but it do it does still work super duper great. I mean, it's it's amazing. That's that's awesome. So it's mainly us, you know, you're you're targeting schools who have decided to go down as they kind of get their bait before they they start busting the top again. So it's it's dominated in in, in a fishing for schooling bass. But do you see it? Uh, productive in other areas as well one of the best things about it is very few people are doing it but and you have to really have a lot of confidence that's probably why i book as many trips doing it as i do because people will buy it and they'll throw it you know 15 20 minutes like anybody else does and then they don't get bit and they put it down they pick up whatever they are used to catching fish on and it's because they don't have confidence so Mm -hmm. they'll they'll go out with me I teach them how to fish it. I show them how it's supposed to be done. And then they catch five, six, seven fish on it. And, I mean, when you catch five-pound spotted bass out of 60 or 70 feet of water that you not normally would ever catch, and you do that three or four times, it, it gets you hooked on it. Now, and pretty much every client that gets on my boat, once they once they do it, they mm. normally will have one tied on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, <laughs> it's great for high-pressured fish which, you know, that's why it's so good on, like, the ledges at Gunnersville. Mm-hmm. Now, those fish get just pounded on every day, seven days a week, and you can go behind people and catch fish right behind them. Yeah, that's great you say that because, you know, back in my day when I was fishing competitively, and from time to time the tour would take us to Smith Lake, and one of the greatest challenges about Smith Lake is, man, it always fishes so well 
right out the gate, but it doesn't handle the pressure of a big tournament very well. And it just kind of falls off as the tournament goes on. And, and, and you're saying this really is kind of showing out in, in a system that typically its characteristics, it doesn't handle pressure well. Uh, so that's encouraging right. to, to have a bait that, that you really c- can still kind of clean up the school a little bit, even once it's been pressured. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's big, you know, and it's pretty much big all over the country now, you know, doing it. People are winning, you know, lots of money doing it. You know, the Northern Opens have had several wins on it and several. And Kevin Van Dam won an Elite Series doing it. So it's, once you once you get the hang of it, it's it's an amazing little thing to back clean up with. You know, you can get those aggressive topwater fish early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once those fish go down, you know, generally – uh, it's just like, you know, when I was fishing the Opens and we fished at like Clark's Hill or we've gone up to Erie or to St. Clair. And, you know, in, in Alabama, just a lot of people just don't do it. I don't know why, but they don't. But they're starting to. Now, did you say now did you say you were using a four-pound test? Uh, yeah, I'll, I will go all the way down to four-pound test. I've got my normal rig is eight to six. I throw six or eight pound floor carpet on it. You're going down to four when you see that you're still not getting the bites that are still finicky. Right. Really right. low or profile. Real finicky. Yeah, I, that's one of the techniques I learned fishing with the guys from Japan was, you know, I didn't think even like a drop shot. I didn't think, you know, what's the difference between four and six pound test? Well, then I got my butt kicked by a guy throwing the exact same bait and he was throwing four and I was throwing six. And he was catching three to one, and I realized that there was a big difference. <laughs> it, it makes the bait, it makes the action of the bait completely different. You know, it gives it a little bit more shimmer. It makes it makes it come through the water a little bit freer. You know, most people couldn't tell the difference, but you know, when you're having to fish competitive and and you're having to get those extra little bites, you know, one or two bites a day, that it makes a huge difference. Mm, good yeah. stuff. You know, we were we had a one of the stripe guys on. I think the week before last, and we were talking about uh, those big giant stripes up in Smith and on Martin, and they're catching those things. You know, in the summer in ninety foot of water, and and we were actually having the conversation in that show. Well, you know, how far down do you catch largemouth? And I know well, Smith is such a clear lake. I knew it was. I knew that you caught fish deep there, but how deep? When it gets later in the summer, even, I mean, how deep do those fish go? How, how deep do you catch them? Last year, I caught the deepest one on a guide trip I've ever caught, and we caught it out of 124 feet. And we were actually fishing about 135, 40 feet. I actually put a screenshot on my Facebook page. You could see the school of fish on a, on treetops that were on top of a hunt, on top of a hunt that came up to the 100, 100 foot mark. And those fish were sitting in the very tips of those trees. So we, we actually would count it down over 90 seconds and then slow roll it through it. And we ended up catching two back-to-back six-pound spots doing it. Wow. So tell me but, this. Like, what made you even pursue that? Like, yeah. Was it just like, let's see if we can do it? Or where did you get even the, I guess, the, the fortitude or even the confidence to say, I think those might be spotted bass in those treetops 120 foot deep. Let's see if we can catch them. Like, tell us how that kind of came to fruition. Well, I've never heard that number before. I've been guiding, you know, for for over 20 years full time. And I I got to where, you know, most of my clients are tournament fishermen. And I've been very, very blessed to have gained a ton of knowledge from some of the most amazing, intelligent people when it comes to the fishing industry. You know, Aaron Martins, you know, helped me with drop shot and Kota Kirinama helped teach me a lot of the Japanese style of fishing, which basically changed all of my rods. You know, I I went from fishing an American style rod, which is a little bit heavier than a Japanese style rod. And so I, I learned to fish lighter line that way. And then fishing with some of the guys in Japan when I was with Jackal and now with Duo, uh, you know, the guys are, they're very intricate and they're, they're real big on tiny, tiny little differences and things. And, you know, their research and development, it's just like the square bill that Duo's coming out with this year, that, that square bill's been being made for over two years. And we've been testing it over a year and a half. 
and they'll they'll send like three baits and say tell me which one works better and you have to do a paper on it and so when i'm out testing baits and then you know i, I get the feel of doing something different you know you go out there with the mindset that you're not going to catch anything mm-hmm. um just and you're just trying to learn and i'm big on expanding that toolbox I guess is a good way to put it because the more tools you have in your toolbox, the better off you're going to be. And one day I was, I was playing with a sonar with a client actually, and we were just looking at stuff and I saw these fish in about 80 feet of water. And I said, that that's fish right there. And he said, well, prove it. I said, okay, well, I just turned around. I picked up a spin bait, threw it out there and I let it sink and I started slow rolling it and I caught a four pound spot and he's like, well, I'll be dang. And I said, yeah, let's see if we can do it again. And then it just turned into a game. Then we just drive around and we spent the entire guide trip driving around finding schools of fish in places that I haven't even fished in years. And I'd say, well, you know, I remember there's there's a big, huge hump here that has some treetops on it. Because that's one thing about Smith Lake that a lot, of, a lot of lakes don't have when you're fishing those clear, open bodies of water is, you know, it's basically a submerged forest. Yeah. And we'd find those clumps of trees and we'd see fish in it. And I'd say, that's got to be bass. Well, after you do that over and over and over for years, then eventually you get to where, you know, I, I'm not near as good as, say, Scott Skuggs at, at being able to, to pull over and go, that's a four-pounder. But I usually can get within within a pound or two of how big yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, but, now, I mean, he can – I fished with him before. And he, he would look at the sonar and go, ah, those are three-pounders. We can do it over here. And then we – you know, I was like, man, I got to see. Is that really three-pounders? And he'd pull up and three, three-and-a-half pushing four pounds wow. i'm like how do you do that and you know it, it's not it's like i tell people in seminars i'm not any better a fisherman than anybody on the planet the difference is where i fish a, a normal person if he fishes every single saturday from january to december fishes 52 times a year i fish more than that in two months so you know it's it's seat time that's all it is mm-hmm. and when you got all that seat time you got all that extra time you know, I get done like today. I got done on my trip. I'm going back out, you know, till dark and just see if I can tweak something, turn something different, change colors on baits and see if I can make fish bite better because I've got another trip coming up tomorrow. So I just try to tweak stuff and do stuff different. You that's amazing. That is so cool, man. That's, uh, that is, that's, that's good to hear, uh, and interesting to hear for sure. So let's go back to this morning. Uh, let's go to the topwater side. What were you doing on topwater? Topwater-wise, we were going out on uh, the fish are pulling out of the pockets. The spotted bass are. The largemouth are still on the backs of the pockets at Smith right now, just the same way they are at Logan Martin. And, uh, you know, the, the largemouth bite is pretty much weightless flukes against wood and, and in real nasty stuff. And then the other, the topwater bite for the spots, they're going to be more out on the main river humps, um, just coming out of the creeks. Well, I call them rivers. They're really, they're really not creeks. They're they're called creeks, but they're huge and they're super deep. Mm-hmm. Smith Lake basically is like fishing a whole bunch of lakes that are chained together. Because a creek arm, say at Gunnersville, creek arms 15 feet, 18 feet deep, winds through and then stops. Was well, a creek arm at Smith Lake can go for 10 miles and it can be 100 feet deep in the center. So those fish never have to leave that creek. Mm-hmm. They they can live in that creek forever. Um, they got docks, they got wood, they got grass in some places. Uh, it's very few places for grass, but they got some grass. So they, they don't have to leave and go out to the main river. So you fish those main lake points that are coming out. And on the ends of them, if you can find any brush um, or you can find big rock piles, those spots will just they'll just gang up on it. They'll sit there. You can actually bring fish on top water. You can bring fish out of 30 feet of water to hit a top water bait. That was the question I was just fixing to ask. How deep are these fish that you're – that you're fishing topwater and bringing them up and you just that that's yeah that's one of the crazy things i always saw back when you know i was fishing the opens as well is places like smith where you're you're setting out like you're literally you're like he says you're setting in 50 60 80 foot of water throwing up on a hump that's 30 foot deep throwing a topwater and these then and the fish on smith will just come blow up blasting from way down there it's because it, cause it's so clear. I mean, they, they, they literally can see that bait. And uh, it was always very intriguing, quite actually quite challenging in my young career to actually try to find fish that way because it's so, so count- different. It's so counterintuitive to what you're used to 
fishing a river system mm-hmm. or, or, or even fishing a lot of shallow water. And so Smith doesn't get the notoriety that it should, in my opinion. It's a I very, totally agree. It's a very unique fishery. It's amazing in the early spring, especially before the, the recreational boat traffic really picks up in the summer. I mean, it, it is, in my opinion, a true sleeper in the state that it has gotten some notoriety, don't get me wrong, especially because of a couple of Elite Series tournaments that went through there. But, you know, you know, guys like, like, like you, Chris, you, you know how good not only the spotted bass fishing there is, but the, the largemouth is really good, too. There's really big largemouth in Smith Lake, too. And oh, yeah. During times of the year, it's, it's just really fun fishing. It doesn't get the notoriety I think it deserves, but, you know, guys like Chris probably appreciate say, that. That's a good thing. You, you probably like appreciate, appreciate that. But I will, you know, ask you one other question, Chris, before we let you go, because I know you're, you know, you're probably itching to get back on the water. But so in lakes like Smith Lake and even, you know, I was uh, camping on Lake Martin this past weekend and, you know, and I took my kids fishing on Logan Martin the weekend before that. I mean, and especially Lake Martin and Smith Lake, very high traffic in uh, traffic uh, recreational lakes. Give our listeners just like one tip of advice from a standpoint of how to handle and how to approach a fishing day in the summer, especially when on these lakes that are great fisheries, but they're very high traffic bodies of water and it can become very challenging to fish. Like what, what piece of advice do you have for them as, as, as a guy? Uh, have a lot of patience, basically the same patience that you would have going shopping at Walmart on Christmas Eve. Most of the people that you're going to run into with, you know, these big $75,000, $80,000 wake boats have absolutely no idea how to drive them. So be very cautious, go super early, and really and truly, if I'm going to have to fish it, I'm, I'm pulling off the water by 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. Before they get out. If I have to. If I have to fish on a Saturday or a Sunday, that's that's what I do. I pull out, I'm, I plan on being back at the boat ramp by 10. That's that's the biggest thing, simply because the, the boat traffic is horrible. Um, it is like an ocean on the main water because the wakeboard boats now, they're, they're throwing six and seven foot wakes. That's probably the biggest challenge, I guess, at Smith Lake. And the biggest way to overcome it is either just go early, plan on being back at the ramp by 10, 1030, and you'll be fine. You'll have a great time. Now, you can go way up above Duncan Bridge, um, and you can get away from most of that boat traffic. Mm-hmm. But you gotta, But then you're largemouth fishing. Pretty much that's what you're going for. You're going to flip all day long, stay way in the backs of the pocket, so you probably won't have any traffic. But you got to run a pretty good way to get that to happen. Mm-hmm. Where else do you guide? I know you said you, you you're on Smith a lot. Where else are you? Um, I I started out guiding full time on on Gunnersville. Um, Troy Jens way back in the day helped me get started, and then uh, I believe it's me and Tim Chandler and Troy Jens and about three or four others, and that was it. So I've stayed on Gunnersville, and then I moved back to where my parents live, which is only about fifteen minutes from Smith Lake. And now I'm staying on Gunnersville, uh, the entire Coast River chain, Weiss all the way down to Jordan. And I'll do some trips on Martin, you know, if somebody wants to go and Smith pretty much. And that's, that's about it. The Smith Lake is just wide open right now. The Coosa River is wide open right now. It doesn't have near the bass traffic that the Gunnersville does. So I got a lot of clients that just want to go there just so they can catch a lot of fish. I got gotcha. you. Well, if a, somebody wants to go fish with you, Chris, how do they get up with you? Um, best way you can get me, you can get me on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Chris Jackson, Professional Angler. My website, actually, I'm rebuilding it or having it rebuilt right now, so it's it's probably down. But it's Fins and Grins Freshwater Adventures. Um, you can Google me. I'm sure I'm all over the internet. And you can also call me at uh, 205-706-2425. And you can call or text me. If I'm on the water, texting's better because I can text you right back. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for getting on today, man. It's been a pleasure. It's been very uh, informative. And, and, uh, and we look forward to having you back on again soon. And and hope you'll be a regular on here. That's some that's some really good information. And we'll get you back on soon. Stay safe out there, brother. Hey, man, I sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, we appreciate Chris being on there, man. That was uh, very informative. I enjoyed that segment. That was a good one. Yeah, like we talk about, Brian, it's always cool to have these guys on because even as 
I mean, even as much experience as I have in fishing and I'm not as in the competitive world as much as I once was and, and I don't guide, but I'm still an avid fisherman. It's still every week we hear about things that are kind of new to us. And so, so that was really cool. That was really cool. That was cool. Well, man, let's jump right into our second segment and we've got Brad Whitehead. We love having this guy on here. He's got just a wealth of knowledge. Brad, what's going on, buddy? I don't know it. How about you guys? Man, we are hanging in there, buddy. Hanging in there. Tell us, tell us what's going on in your world in, uh, in, in, in Pickwick. Well, this time of year, we, we kind of try to do a little bit of everything. I guess we get a bunch of irons in a fire and we try to steal crappie fish, of course. And, and I've got a 15 year old that's fishing the high school bass fishing tournaments, which they're cranked back up. We're excited about that. You know, uh, last week we had the, the Toyota series on Pickwick. So we got to see a lot of our old friends and stuff that are fishing the tournament trail. This week we got the collegiate bass trail in town. So, uh, we're kind of transitioning into night fishing and it's for bass. We, of course, we do some crappie fishing at night, but you know, a lot of these kids nowadays, as we probably, uh, you know, we've talked about this, us three have talked about this. We grew up doing a lot of night fishing for bass and these kids nowadays, they don't know too much about night fishing and the different styles of fishing that you have to do once the sun goes down. So it's something my son hadn't done. So. I ordered some black lights a couple of months ago, and we've been hitting the lake and, and kind of getting away from the heat and getting away from the boat traffic. Man, that's so good. Yeah, I, I can vividly remember the very first tournament I ever fished was actually on Pickwick Thursday nighter, and it really kind of changed my life. And so, man, I'd love to dive into that whole world of night fishing because it's kind of in a league of its own. It's a it's a whole nother world. It's a whole nother approach and so tell us how you approach night fishing on Pickwick or really the Tennessee River in general, but even more so on Pickwick. How, how do you tackle night fishing? It can be very complicated or it can be very simple. I, I go at it <laughs> with, with teaching my son, we're going to do the simple stuff first and we'll go from there. In his eyes, he couldn't realize that he couldn't see nothing. You know, there's no lights out here, Daddy. How are we going to see? Mm-hmm. I said, you'll get used to it. Your eyes will get used to it. I said, the first thing you got to remember is we're out here. We're a vessel. We're a, you know, 20 and a half foot boat out in the middle of this lake. We got to keep our lights on. We got to think safety. We got to watch for other boats. The last thing we want is to have an accident out here. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, is getting fishing line that you can see. Uh, I'm old school. I still like the old fluorescent lights. So therefore, I've got to have some clear blue line that I can still see. It's nothing better to throw a jig, to throw a worm, you know, throw something out there and see that line bounce. And he didn't <laughs> understand that. How am I going to see that, Daddy? You know, and I said, you'll see it. You will see this line jump. And when you do, the great thing about night fishing is you set the hook. You don't know if you've got a two-pound large mouth. You don't know if you've got, a, you know, a six-pound small mouth or in our case, a lot of times, you got a 12-pound blue cat that's decided <laughs> yeah. to hit a jig, you know? So, um, it's been a neat learning experience, and it, and it brought me back to my roots. As, as, as you said, when I was in high school, I fished a lot of night tournaments. We had a, a Monday nighter, a Tuesday nighter, a Thursday, and a Friday nighter that you could fish. $20 a pop, you are going to have 60 boats that fished it. Well, I'm going to tell you what, as a 15, 16-year-old kid winning four or five hundred dollars on a Friday night. Big deal. You you was the king on Saturday night. You could take the ladies out. That's right. You know, I would say if you're getting into night fishing, the first thing you got to do is go get you some black lights. We ordered some simple, I think they're called night stalker lights out of Cabela's Bass Pro Shops. They run about $79. They're chargeable or rechargeable. Get you some clear blue line. And you know, your baits, that's something I've also kind of explained to him. A lot of the baits that you use for daytime, you can use it for night, you know, of course. Uh, but basically, I told him, you need three rods. You need a rod that you can throw a spinnerbait. You need a rod that you can throw a, a finesse worm, like a slider or, or a Ned rig. And you need something you can throw a jig. And that's basically going to be your three rods that you're going to use all night. If you can't get bed at night with those three rods, it's probably not going to happen for you. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, again, I can vaguely remember the, the very first time I saw this quote unquote nighttime spinnerbait, right? It was one, it was really big and it had really big Colorado blades on it, which are more of the rounded blades yeah. if you're kind of new to the world versus the traditional willow leaf blade. And it was huge. And I was like, what is this thing? But outside of that, yes, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a misconception with a lot of people that you can still use a lot of the same baits that you do during the day. It's really just, to me, it's even better because it's, it's, it's really just a simplify. You just simplify, like you say, and you kind of stick to two or three deals and just go find some fish. Um, is, you know, in the world of daytime fishing and there's all these colors and all these different things. And it's really kind of a simplified, you know, method. It, I, I have noticed though, the older I get, I can't stay up like I used to, <laughs> you know, yeah. back in the days when we fish these bass tournaments, we could fish from six to 12. We might fish on Pickwick and then we loaded up and we fish from one to five or six the next morning. I'm doing good to be able to stay up at 10 o'clock without falling out of the boat. Asleep, you know, so, <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you another thing too that if you if you start night fishing and you go, where do I need to go? What where do I even start? One of the best places that you can start is at the boat ramp. Just start at the boat ramp. Mm-hmm. Put in at dark. Drop your trolling motor. Turn your black lights on and get familiar with that cast from the boat to the bank at nighttime. The boat ramps. You've got tournaments that they're letting out fish, and a lot of times. A lot of times, you can literally, if they have a tournament on Saturday, you can catch those fish the next night. I've done it, and the reason I've seen it is they've had tour places in their mouths. You can catch those fish within 24 hours of that tournament letting loose, but it's got to be at night. It's usually got to be after dark. And look for light. Uh, one of the neatest things ever, I, I remember uh, fishing at night, we pulled up to a light, and there's a light that's literally over the pier, that's shining into the water. And I could see bass moving up. I picked up a fluke cast in there, and I caught a five-pound smallmouth on Wilson at night on a fluke under a light. Now, that's exciting, guys. Yeah. I mean, that that's was fine. awesome. Yeah. Talk so, to me about the, the, the black light uh, that you're using and how you're using it because, you know, when I when I grew up night fishing in, uh, in Demopolis, Alabama on the Tom Bigby, we didn't have no black light. I had about a 16-foot boat with a 35 and a stick steer, and uh, <laughs> that's all I had. And so how are you using the black light? Well, there's two styles that you can buy. A lot of the older guys that actually, you know, they live to, to, to fish at night. They don't fish during the day. So they went and bought the black lights that actually you install them into the side of your boat. Uh, there's actually two or three ways. Uh, the black light actually fits into the light. Uh, you've got a, a male and female. The female actually, you have to drill a hole into your fiberglass and bolt it where the black light just, you know, the, the male part goes in and sits on the side of the, uh, the the boat. The kind we've got are really simple. Like I said, I believe they're uh, night stalkers. They're seventy nine ninety five. They're rechargeable. They've got three different lights on them. They've got the traditional fluorescent. They've got a white light, and they've got a green light on them. Of course, the white light is faced toward you, so if you're tying on baits, mm. you can actually see it. You hit a button, you can see your baits. You know, traditionally what I did was kept a flashlight in my mouth. You know, back then, they didn't even right. really have the headlights. So I'd pick up a flashlight and put it in my mouth and tie on a, yep. another lure. Well, these are supposedly will last 10 hours, but the good thing about them, when you buy them, they come with a charger or come with a adapter that hooks. You can hook it directly to a cigarette lighter or a, a battery in your boat if it was to go down. So it don't leave a mark on your boat. You know, you're not drilling any holes. Uh, it's got two suction cups, and actually we bought two of them. I've got one for the front of the boat, one for the back. So it's really, really simple. Uh, it's just really getting out there after dark, letting everything settle down. You know, you're away from the traffic. You're away from all the other elements that you have to deal with. The heat, you know, a lot of time the wind dies down after dark. It's really pleasurable, you know, if you can learn to stay up late. <laughs> That's my problem. I get sleepy about 10 o'clock. <laughs> so, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, just re- just last summer, I, had, I haven't night fished this summer, but last summer I, I still vaguely remember just easing down the lake. I was on Logan Martin and just how pleasant it was. It's my favorite. I love being like, on the water. Just how beautiful the, the moon was shining. It's significantly cooler. <laughs> There's very few, if any, boats on the water. Yeah. I mean, just, man, so peaceful on top of it being another fishing dynamic to approach. I mean, my, my son went with me, my eight-year-old then, he's nine now, and he is busting my chops right now to go fish another little night tournament. I love it. This summer. And so, That's another thing. You know, a lot of these high school kids, all the tournaments that they fish, they either, you know, if it's if it's top class tournament, they're going to win scholarship money. Well, to a 15-year-old, that don't mean anything. Well, Daddy, I won $3,000 for scholarship money. Well, what I get out of it, he don't understand, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Then the next stage you have, they're just going to win plaques, which my son loves winning the plaques. Don't get me wrong. But when you hand him $150 that that kid just won, that changes their life. You know, I mean, it does at my house. I mean, you know, I won money for fishing. And most areas, there's like North Alabama, you might go up there and win the first one. But I'm going to tell you now, these boys come with a vengeance the next week because they're going to be ready for you. It's a great way to teach them how to get into this tournament league that they want to get into. You know, it, it, it lights a fire, really. So it's something that's, you know, We've enjoyed so far. Uh, so, I will tell you this. If you're listening to it right now and you're going, all right, well, tell me, you know, the little things else that we might need. We've got a box that's out in the garage. It's got our two black lights. It's got safety goggles you're going to need after dark. It's got flashlights. It's got headlamps. It's got bug spray in it. All that kind of stuff, you need to have it set aside so when you go night fishing, especially the glasses, that you have that ready for your boat. Because there are some things that I had literally forgot. Hey, I forgot to put that in there. I forgot to put a set of goggles in there. You can't hardly run 45, 50 miles an hour down the lake at 10 o'clock at night and not expect something to get in your eye. So make sure you got a pair of goggles put in your boat for night fishing. <laughs> That's a great, great point. No, so let's talk about numbers of night fishing compared to, to, to your daytime trips. Do you seem to catch the same numbers? Are you catching bigger fish? And and maybe talk just a minute about, you know, are you still going if the if the fish is if the fish in the daytime, if they're on ledges, if they're schooled up, are they still out there schooled up or at night are they moving up shallower? You know, kind of what's the difference there? Well, I'm gonna tell you, I didn't realize fish moved up as shallow as they do until I started bow fishing years ago. And on Pickwick especially, there's a lot of shallow flats. And you wouldn't think that you would see a five or six pound largemouth in less than two foot of water at night. But you would not believe how many big bass, smallmouth too, but mostly you're going to get close to a largemouth. You're not going to get that close to a smallmouth. It's amazing the big fish that are in, that's in that shallow water, you know, at, at 11, 12 o'clock at night. I'll tell you my... I've got one way that I that I fish. If I will hit banks, it seems like I like to hit banks a lot better when the wind's blowing on them. You can pick that big spinner blade, blade up or jig and work that bank. But our, I guess, claim to fame on our nighttime fishing is fishing treetops. We like to fish brush. Of course, that plays in great with crappie fishing because I've got a lot of brush out on each lake. So we like to pull up take a big worm, and try that brush out. We'll give that a couple hours. If that don't work, then we try to move shallow. That's kind of our game plan. Yeah. We still like the big worms and the, and the jigs. And um, But far as numbers, you know, I don't see much difference. If we go out in a day and we catch 15 or 16 fish, usually that's what we're going to catch at night. So it, 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 it's, it's according day by day, if you want to know the truth, and weather too. And where, if you do have wind, your game plan at night's got to change just a little bit. So, does the moon seem to affect it? Night? I mean, obviously, what I like about fishing the brighter moon is obviously you can see a little bit better. Yeah, I, I tell you where the moon plays a big part. And again, this is something as y'all, I'm sure, hunted and fished. 
as a kid, there's things that y'all still do and still hear that you did when you were a kid. There was one thing, we got our butts kicked one night on a Friday nighter, and it was a full moon. And I'll never forget talking to the guy that, that beat us, and he goes, y'all don't have no red on? Uh, no, sir. Full moon, you always use red. Wow. Why is that? Crawfish. Crawfish get red on a full moon. <laughs> what? And you know, <laughs> let me tell you, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But my son and a friend of his has been running crawfish traps the past couple of days, which it might have been last week whenever we had a full moon. They brought them by here in a bucket. And the top of that crawfish was just as green pumpkin as you could see. And the bottom of it was just as red as you could you could see. And we were having a full moon. Now, I don't know if there's any. I can't tell you if there's a relationship with that for sure. But I can tell you, when there's a full moon, I'm going to have some type of red on if I'm fishing at night, period. Wow. So that might, it's just one of those things. You know, people people ask us all the time, especially with crappie fishing, well, why do y'all do it like that? Well, it works. Been doing it, it for works. years. I can't, I can't explain it. I'm not going to. I cannot lie to you and tell you why. I just know it works. When the wind blows this way, this is the bank we go fish. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, what do you say? I mean, I don't, I, it's hard to, to tell somebody when it works. You know, this is how we do it. Still, I've still got a lot to get back to how I used to be because it's just like I told my son. He said, Well, wh- what was it? If you could tell me one thing, Daddy, when y'all used to win tournaments at night, what was the number one thing y'all did? It's very simple. Just like during the day, we spend at least three days a week on the water at night, period. So that's the key to me in, in winning any tournament at night or day is spending time on the water. So That's right. That's right. Nothing can replace time on the water. Well, guys, if you're, if you're letting the heat of the summer get to you or really the boat traffic even more so, now that we're in the heart of the summer here in Alabama, maybe consider giving night fishing an opportunity if you have not. And it may be a new love of yours. But as we talked about in the very beginning of this segment, the most important thing there is safety, uh, making sure that your running lights are working and that you're keeping an eye on ear and an eye on other boats that are moving around. And I mean, I've never been a fan. All of our boats go super fast but never been a fan of of anything but just cruising down the lake at night and so just uh be aware of the situation around you and i think that that can be your first step to having a successful night fishing adventure but it can be really cool to add to your love of the outdoors if you haven't done it and and uh hopefully we've given you a little bit of tidbit today to get you going in that well and 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 like you said is if you haven't done it there's something special about being on the water at night. It's different. It feels different. It's it's just it's just peaceful. And man, some of my best memories is 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 jug fishing all night long with my dad, my brothers on that Tom Baby River. We'd go out and throw about three hundred jugs out and chase them jugs all night. But it was just something special about being on the water at night and yeah. i've always loved it i've always had a, had a had a spot in my heart for that so it's really cool yeah give it a try well brad are you do you do any um gu- are you guiding any at night or are you still mainly guiding just crappie fishing in the daytime just during the day i've uh, i've actually brought another guy another licensed guide on board uh this year this time of year we pull crankbait for crappie it's just fixing to get started up it's, it's kind of in that in-between zone so you know if there's somebody out there that's heard about this you can really pull crankbaits and catch crappie all summer yes you can so you know if, if, if anyone's interested in maybe trying one of those trips we're fixing to get those cranked up in the next week or two they can call and get in touch with us and we will get you fixed up so well uh, brad tell tell everyone how to get a hold of you because Look, it may be a transition right now, but Brad is always catching some pretty amazing fish always. on Pickwick. So how can they get in touch with you? Real easy. You can catch us on social media as far as Facebook or Instagram or just the old-fashioned way. Give us a call at 256-483-0834. You can shoot us a text or call, and we will um, we'll get you fixed up. 
What's your Facebook and Instagram page? Uh, Brad Whitehead on Facebook and Brad Whitehead Fishing on Instagram. Awesome, man. Well, look, we're going to definitely have you back on here in a couple of weeks because I want to hear about the crankbait for crappie. That's uh, that's a whole that's going to be a, a great segment right there. So I'm looking forward to diving into that diving into that with you. But uh, in the meantime, man, be safe. Good luck to your son on the uh, state championship. Uh, didn't you say it was a championship coming up? It is at the end of the month. We'll be there for a whole week. Uh, it ought to be fun. They're trying to get everybody crammed in that weekend. Uh, since we've lost a lot of, of time fishing on the water, we're going to be able to, to fish and have a good time. And I got a little surprise for y'all coming in July. It's very, very possible the old tank for the smallmouth will be in the boat after the 4th of July. So we're going to try something new. If it works, you guys were going to know about it first. I can promise you. That's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Man. Thank you, Brad, man. We appreciate it. And, uh, and, and be safe out there, buddy. Keep catching them. And, and we'll talk to you here in a few weeks for sure. Sounds good. See you guys. Take Thanks. care, buddy. Man, Brian, I, I still can remember vaguely that, that night fishing tournaments as a young teenager and always passionate about fishing and, and always wanted to be a tournament fisherman. But so that was a great segment, man. Just, just kind of, I just brought back so many memories and, Especially, it was really cool because, you know, Brad's on Pickwick, which is where I grew up, and it wasn't as good as it is now back then because it was before the grass had grown back. There was a point on Pickwick when all the grass was dead. It, there wasn't these big grass flats like there is now, mm-hmm. which is a huge element in the Tennessee River and why it's such a great fishery. But great segment, man. Hey, great day, though. I mean, we talked about spy baiting, the, the, the duo – uh, spin bait and just the idea of catching a fish in 120 foot of water. water. I mean, that's that's crazy outside of the context of deep sea fishing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that was a really cool segment. And then uh, glad we talked about night fishing because it's something that kind of gets overlooked. And man, it's it's a really cool thing to do. And and heck, I may go tonight. Yeah, yeah, I know. It really got me thinking, too. And, and, and you know, because now, look, my night fishing was probably a little different than yours. I, you know, a lot of my night fishing was uh, was farm ponds mm-hmm. and things like that. And sometimes we may or may, may or, or may not have had permission to be in that pond. <laughs> so the nighttime was a necessity. <laughs> we wanted to uh, fish. I, I fished a lot of ponds at night in college <laughs> because uh, we did the same thing, man. We, we, we were avid fishermen, whether yeah. right or wrong, we were avid fishermen. I played college football, and so I had a very demanding schedule. And so, me and my roommate, who actually loved fishing too, we man, we would you know we'd sneak out at night. Not sneak well, out, but we'd go out at night and fish because it's the only time we could because we had such a demanding schedule during the day with classes and football that you know that's what we did. And, well, if Mister Gilmore is listening, I really <laughs> apologize. But I do appreciate that nine pounder I call on a buzz bait about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> man, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, great show, man. Two two new things for the listeners to kind of chew on, and uh, sounds like maybe we're in a little bit of a of a transition uh, with the season. On and and again, I think like they talked about, it has a lot to do with uh, water temperature and the temperature outside, and obviously boat traffic. So in this little bit of a transitional season before these fish really get off into deep, deeper ledges and predictable ledge, ledge fishing as we roll into the summer. Hey, maybe consider doing something you've never done before, like night fishing. Hey, and, and, and a quick, a quick question to you on the night fishing. And, and, and I still am a little unclear because, because we didn't have this when I was doing most of mine, but you know, we had a flashlight in the mouth. The black light. Mm-hmm. He's got the white light facing in so he can mm-hmm. see his lures, so he can mm-hmm. tie, see in the boat, things like that. Is the black light so that you can see your line? Yeah. That's so it's nothing to do with attracting fish. No, no. It's no. simply so you can and see you your have line. To, you have to use a certain line, which is maybe d- difficult to find this day and age because it's kind of a, a dying art, but it's, it's called clear blue line. Mm-hmm. And it glows under fluorescent light. And so one thing I didn't mention in that while he was talking, because I wonder now that there's so many fluorescent braided lines that are popular, 
I've actually never put a fluorescent braided line under a black light, but I know that traditionally, say like your kid's birthday party, you have a night light and neon colors, it really glows. And right. so I would almost wonder if if you couldn't find clear blue line, which is what traditionally you would use with a black light, uh, simply because again, it's just it's kind of a, a dying thing, especially once fluorocarbon came on the line uh, online in the industry. Uh, I, I bet those, those these new high vis are called high vis braids. I bet you they do would do, and you can just tie a, a traditional fluorocarbon leader, leader to it because again, it has nothing to do with what the fish can or cannot see. It has to do with you being able to see your line. Maybe check it out. Maybe maybe the new high vis braid is the new. Clear blue, blue. maybe. All right, guys. Well, hey, that is a a great show. Thanks to our guest uh, for being on today. Thanks, Stephen, for for helping me out with this deal. And, guys, that is going to be a wrap for this week. Please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, we'd love to do that for you. So just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR. And we'll send you the show each and every single week. So spread the word. Tell your friends to listen to us and uh, and drop us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. That is a wrap for today. We'll talk to you all again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by... Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.